Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. Today's topic is near and dear to my heart. It is LinkedIn. We are going to talk about using LinkedIn effectively as a civil engineer. I couldn't wait to publish this episode because I get so many questions on this, and now I have a resource that I can refer civil engineers to. And I'm going to introduce you to our host, Richard Poulin, who was already on the Civil Engineering Podcast recently talking about resumes because he specifically writes books on resumes, but he also has a tremendous amount of experience with LinkedIn. He was back on episode 25 of the Civil Engineering Podcast talking about resume hacking. And now today we're going to dive into specific steps that you can take to use LinkedIn effectively. I also want to mention that we do have a new endeavor called the Seller Doer Academy for Civil Engineers, where we do monthly training and coaching for engineering companies on business development topics. And we're actually going to cover this as well in our May webinar LinkedIn, but it'll be different than a podcast because obviously it'll be a screen and you'll be able to see things and share things. If you think your company might be interested in business development training, you can check out sellerdoeracademy.com. All right, so this is a longer episode, so let's jump right into it. Before we do, I want to recognize our sponsor for the Civil Engineering Podcast, PPI, who's been a really dedicated sponsor to us to help us to do this podcast, as well as our other podcast, the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, for free and keep it free for our listeners. So if you're thinking about taking the Civil FE or PE exam, I highly recommend that you check out PPI. They are the leader in Civil Engineering Exam Prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, this interview with Rich Poulin is loaded with great LinkedIn tips and information. So let's jump right into the conversation. Here we go. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for this week's Civil Engineering Conversation where we talk with a guest or some professional that has skill in some sort of field that can help you as a civil engineer. And today's guest, you may have remembered Richard Poulin from a few episodes ago. Uh, Richard came on and talked a lot about uh, resume writing, specifically for civil engineers. And today we're going to talk more about LinkedIn. Richard is a resume writer and marketing professional with 12 years of experience. He spent most of his career with PricewaterhouseCooper, the largest consulting firm in the world. His role there was to help accountants and business consultants stand out in the marketplace. That's where he learned everything about resumes and personal branding. Today, he's working on a business of his own, resume hacking. He writes eBooks to offer tailored resumes advice by profession. He has a bachelor's degree in communication, a master's degree in political science. And Richard, welcome back to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Hi, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be back. So I brought Richard back on because we got a lot of really good feedback on the last episode that we did with him. That was episode number 25, focused on building your resume as specifically as a civil engineer. 
And this time we're going to talk about LinkedIn. I get a lot of questions about LinkedIn, about how to use LinkedIn as a civil engineer. What are some best practices? And, you know, it's kind of a very broad topic to say the least, because there's so many different things you can do with LinkedIn. But what I did quite some time ago is I wrote an article called Seven Steps to Building Successful LinkedIn Relationships. So I thought what would be interesting is if I went through some of those steps and then I had Richard bring in some of his experience and advice on those steps as well. So we can give you a little bit more of a a bigger perspective on LinkedIn. Just so you know, what we're going to cover here, we're going to go through these seven steps. We're going to talk about building your profile out completely. We're going to talk about connecting with people you know, coworkers, colleagues, et cetera. The third point is determining your target market, which is really important. I'll dig into that a bit. We'll talk about groups, how to join the right groups, participating in discussions in your groups, and then how to connect with people through those discussions, which I think is something that people don't do enough. So we're going to rock and roll here. Let me start it off with a couple of profile tips, a couple of basic ones. One tip is to make sure that your profile is 100% complete or as close to it as possible because LinkedIn... They have an algorithm that they use so that when someone does a search, people get found. And the more complete your profile is, that's like one check in the algorithm. Obviously, they want people to complete their profile. So I think that that's an important one. Second point is use a professional picture. This is a big one, but I mean, I can't tell you how many people I see on LinkedIn with their dog or their horse or, you know, I mean, whatever the case may be, right, Richard? A drink. Yeah, exactly. A drink, someone like holding up a beer or something. This is like the way that I advise you to think about this is, You don't put a photo on your resume when you send it to a company, but if you did, think about what kind of photo you would put on your resume to send to a company. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that uh, the picture, you know, we're a visual species. For most people, it's obvious that sight is your first sense to interact with the world. And, you know, we don't judge a book by its cover if we're good people, but sometimes we do judge people by the way they look. And a good picture on LinkedIn can really, really bring your profile up. And I, I think it's especially it's especially critical when you consider that when people look for you on LinkedIn, they don't start on your profile. They start in search results. So if you look at how people come up in search results on LinkedIn, you see their picture and just a little, a little bit of information with words, but the, the picture is really critical there. When I advise people to work on their picture, I tell them, find your friend or your uncle who's got a very good, expensive camera. Yeah. In this day and age, we all know someone who's got a very, very powerful camera, and they're fairly easy to operate. And usually people who own one are very good with one. They know about lighting and all that stuff. So I'm not going to cover that. But you'll want to dress professionally. You'll want to smile. Some surveys have showed that people who smile showing their teeth actually come across as more reliable. So smile, you can show some teeth and dress as you would for a client meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing too about it is that it's about connection. So like when someone's looking at your profile, if there's no picture there, just speaking for myself, I don't feel like I can connect with you because I don't see you. I mean, I search for like podcast guests online. I search for events, uh, speakers for some of our events. And quite frankly, if there's no photo, a lot of times I just don't reach out to them because I just don't feel the connection. So really, it's really important. And I think, you know, Richard's advice is good as far as a professional photo. Please do that. I mean, if there's one thing that you're going to spend time on with LinkedIn, you've got to have something really professional up there as far as a photo goes. The specialties box, this little specialties are the summary like underneath your main profile box. 
put some keywords in there that might help LinkedIn or Google to find you. Because if you do a Google search for someone's name, we all know that the first thing that pops up most of the time is their LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. So definitely use some keywords. Again, Richard said it very well that people are going to find you because they're searching for something and you're going to come up in the results. And the way that people are coming up in the results is because they have the right words in there. Civil engineering, stormwater design, trap, transportation engineer, whatever the case may be, you got to think about putting some of those keywords into your profile so that you can get, get found. And the next point to the same end is your title is just as important as the summary. So you have a title in LinkedIn. You got to put the title that represents what you do and be sure to update the titles when you change. I think that this is an important one, Richard, that a lot of people don't think about, but I know that the title in yeah. LinkedIn has a lot of pull. Yeah. To complete on what you were saying about keywords, obviously people enter keywords when they search. So you want to hit the most likely keywords that people are going to be looking for. So if you're looking for a job, you want to hit like the criteria keywords that people would use with specialties like wastewater treatment or AutoCAD or mapping software or commercial development or whatever it is. And then you can pepper these keywords in key sections of your profile. And I think that the summary is probably the most important section where you capture in a very few bullets the essence of who you are as a professional. You know, marketers and uh, people in communications like me, we like to talk about storytelling here and storytelling there and stories are great and people love that. But your summary is really your story on LinkedIn. So there's four or five bullets there, maybe a few more that really get into what you bring as a professional. And sometimes it's your story is about leadership. Sometimes your story is going to be about tools, about computers, about programming. It's like your own little edge. Obviously, you're competing with other civil engineers. So you have to figure out when you work on your resume and when you work on your LinkedIn profile, what's your story? You want to have like a key distinctive advantage, something that says, I've done this better than the other guys. And you can't try to, to do it all and to be everything for everyone. You have to figure out what's your thing that's going to get you called for an interview, always in the context that the only thing that the person has to make a judgment call is your LinkedIn profile. So if it's, you know, the computer software thing, you do it, you go that route and you say, okay, I, I've done AutoCAD or Civil 3D or whatever, and I'm really good at that. And here's a few projects that I've done on AutoCAD that demonstrate that you have the chops. Whatever your story is, that's going to be your um, the driving... The driving force behind it. Yeah, the driving force... That's what you get, Anthony, when you invite uh, French-speaking people on your podcast. <laughs> but your summary, if you want a very simple recipe to do your summary, I think it's very important to take some time on that because it is a, probably the most critical part of your profile. Once people have clicked through the search results, your summary might be the only place they really spend time to read it fully. After that, they might just scan through. Exactly. So you can start with one or two bullets. You want to hit all the criteria that people are going to be looking for. So you want to make sure your PE titles in there, your experience, the number of years of experience you have, and then some keywords of the specialties that you have. After you've covered that in one or two bullets, 
you want to go into your key accomplishments. I've done project X where we improved this by that amount. I've worked on 400 projects, you know, like accomplishments. And maybe we can talk about that a bit more afterwards. But if you build your summary with answering key criteria that they'll be looking for, and then your key accomplishments, which are part of your story and which help to differentiate you as a professional, you're going to get their attention. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think Richard nailed it on the head. He said exactly what I always tell people is that if you want to think about the importance of your summary, just think about it this way. If someone lands on your profile, just assume that that's all they're going to read before they click away. And that helps you to understand how important it is. And, And Richard gave some good points and a little bit of a framework that you can use to try to rough something out. Just a few more points on building your profile out. You can include your websites for your company. And one of the things you can do that a lot of people don't do is when you put your website in, instead of just leaving it saying company website where they click on it, you can actually edit that so that it says the name of your firm so that someone can click on it, which I don't know. To me, it just looks a little bit Mm -hmm. more customized. It looks a little bit more nicer than just generic company website. Also, do not block any emails coming from LinkedIn. If you're going to use LinkedIn you're going to want to get people to contact you. Now, I understand that there's going to be people sometimes that might contact you like recruiters or people that you might not want to have contacting you all the time. Maybe just set it up in your email so your LinkedIn messages go into a folder or something and you could check them less frequently. But I don't recommend turning them off because you're cutting off like opportunities from coming to you. And that's one of the points of utilizing LinkedIn. So just be smart about the way you manage it. And the last thing that I'll say on profiles that most people don't realize still is that In your profile box, you have like a LinkedIn URL and most people don't realize that you can click edit and you can edit that URL because it's usually a randomly generated bunch of numbers. So like I changed mine to like Anthony J. Fasano. So that's really important because in the future, and many people already do this, people are going to have their LinkedIn profiles on their business cards or they're going to say to people at an event, just check me on LinkedIn, Anthony J. Fasano or whatever, but it's going to become more and more important. So if you haven't customize your LinkedIn profile URL. I recommend that you do that like ASAP. And a few other tips about LinkedIn profiles. One thing that's important for people like you guys who have important titles, LinkedIn suggests, because they don't have a specific field for a title like PE or MBA, but LinkedIn suggests to put your title with your last name. Hmm. So in your LinkedIn profile, first name, in my case, would be Richard. Last name would be Poulin BSC, for example. So if you want to have your title very visible, you can include it in your last name field. Another thing, uh, Anthony, we're talking about completing your profile as much as possible. Yep. So LinkedIn calls that the all-star status. Once you've reached like 100% of everything they're looking for. It's called the all-star status. For your information, 51% of people on LinkedIn are currently all-stars. That's a lot of all-stars, but still, how do you get to that all-star status? You need a profile photo. You need to list two or more positions, like in your experience. You need three or more skills on your profile. And we'll come back to skills because I'd like to talk about endorsements and recommendations. You need it to have skills in there. You need a summary section, the one we've already discussed. That's part of having an all-star status. You need to fill out your industry and location, where you went to school, and you need 50 or more connections. 
So if you don't have your all-star status, LinkedIn usually pops questions when you log in. Hey, where did you go to school? Hey, why don't you add some skills? Follow LinkedIn's questions and prompts until you have that all-star status. And just so you know, the way it's designed, it's like a little bar that fills up, like a loading sign type of thing. Right. But the way it's designed, when you have all-star status, the line doesn't reach the end of the row. It's like 96% full or something like that. That's normal and that's as high as it's going to get. With that, let's transition into point number two and start to talk a little bit about connections and we'll get into skills and endorsements and recommendations. Once you have your profile built out, obviously you want to put time into it, but it's not something that's going to take you a long, long time to build it out. You can sit down, you can focus on it and get at least get something very reputable done. Once you've done that, you obviously want to start to build your network and start to connect. So you can start, of course, by connecting with people that you know. It could be clients, coworkers, colleagues, college friends. You can use LinkedIn's webmail importer to find a bunch of your contacts who are already on LinkedIn. But start to build up that base network of contacts. That's mm. going to be important for you. One thing that I forgot to mention in the first part that I think is very important is some of you might be thinking, well, you know, if I put civil engineer in my title, there's a now whatever a million civil engineers in the United States. LinkedIn allows people to search with a zip code. So they might say, like, I'm looking for a wastewater or water resources engineer within 10 miles of this zip code. That's where it really gets important. That's how you can really get a new client or a new employer to find you. So remember that don't feel like you're in this sea of so many people that you can't stand out. So I, I just wanted to mention that because I, I forgot about that. I think it ties into the connection thing because LinkedIn isn't like Google. Someone who does a search in Texas will not have the same results as someone doing the same search in Montreal, Canada. Right. And the LinkedIn search algorithm is really tailored to the person seeking. And that's really important to understand if you want to build out your profile to be found, to be findable. And you want to be a, a like in a passive job search mode. You need to understand that the search results that LinkedIn provides to a searcher depend on that person's network and location. So if you're a first degree connection to that person or a second degree connection to that person, you're going to come up really high in their search results. If they type civil engineer in your location but you're not connected to them, a lot of other people will come up before you. So that's a very important reason why you need to grow your network on LinkedIn. Because when you're connected to someone, LinkedIn pushes you higher in search results. And when we talk about groups later, we're going to see that groups also have an impact on where you rank in search results. When you share a group with someone, you also get higher in their search results. Exactly. So before we move into that and start talking about groups and using LinkedIn, let's talk last couple of points about connecting with people in the profiles, which comes down to getting endorsements and the skills, the recommendations. Recommendations are obviously really important. I believe, Richard, you have to have three to get the LinkedIn complete profile status, right? No, it used to be that. There used to be a requirement for recommendations but I think they, they dropped it because many people w wouldn't go to that extent. Okay. To their detriment, I think, because recommendations are a, one of the most compelling elements you can have on your profile. But they dropped it from the, the all-star status thing. But the thing about recommendations is the thing that's so great about them is like when you have a website and you put a recommendation on there, 
hopefully it's truthful, but I mean, it could be anybody putting up anything. But when you have a LinkedIn recommendation, somebody who is on LinkedIn has to write that through their account and their photo comes there and their recommendation comes there. So it's very credible. But the important thing about recommendations is that you have to ask the right question for someone. For example, like if I'm an engineer, I might say to a client, would you mind giving me a recommendation about how we were able to get your project done on time and under budget, the XYZ project. So then the client's going to be like, well, on this project, they did this, as opposed to just saying, can you give me a LinkedIn recommendation? Because I find that you get much more authentic, just it tells people a lot more about you when they're more pointed and more specific. So that would be my recommendation about how to get the right recommendations. I find you, you have a very good point about asking a client. Often we think about we think about LinkedIn as a resume. So we think about asking recommendations from previous managers or bosses. But you need to ask recommendations also of people who have seen you work in other contexts, such as a client or a business partner. And to your point about coaching them on where you want this recommendation to go or what you wanted to talk about, in my experience, a lot of people don't feel like actually typing out the recommendation. They'll be happy to give you one. They just don't want to be out there having to think about it. So when you ask for recommendations, it's perfectly okay to give some points to refresh that person's memory. If it's been two, three years, yep. you might have a better grasp of what the project was and say, remember, we did X and Y, and we had a problem with this budget thing or with this project thing. And we saw I solved it by doing this. If you're comfortable, I'd love if you could write about this. And that person is very likely to just copy paste material that you've already provided because it just makes their lives simple. So when you're asking for recommendations, of course, you're going to choose the right people. But if you make it very simple for them, you know, here's where you need to click. Here's what you need to do. Very few people are going to say no if you choose them wisely. Absolutely. And by the way, I just want to let everyone know, we're of course not going into the technical aspects of LinkedIn on this podcast because that would be like 10 more podcast episodes. But if you go to the help section on LinkedIn, if you don't know how to leave a recommendation or request a recommendation, you can just type it in there. It's really helpful and they'll walk you through the process for sure. Yeah. Richard, why don't you talk a little bit about skills and endorsements? Skills are a part or a section of your profile. And you choose the skills that you want to show up. So uh, usually there's like one, two or three words. So it's going to be, if it's like something like strategy, I would somehow advise against a very broad or very general skill like that. I would rather you go for something more precise if possible. But whatever it is, if it's AutoCAD or if it's construction projects or if it's wastewater treatment, I don't know how deep the skills go into uh, your specific area of expertise, but I think there's like tens of thousands of skills in there. Once you choose those skills, people can endorse you. This is something that if you've been using LinkedIn for a while, you've seen the question. You see one of your contacts pop up and say, oh, do you know if Steph has leadership skills? Would you agree to say that, blah, 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 or compliance skills or contract writing skills or whatever it is? And then you can say endorse. And what that does is that on Steph's profile, your picture appears next to that skill in a very little tiny thumbnail 
with a bunch of other people who have also endorsed Steph for that same skill. So what happens after a while is that your skills section grows with numbers next to it. You have 17 people that endorse you for AutoCAD skills and 51 that endorse you for quality assurance skills or inspection skills or whatever. And that gives social proof. It's not as committing to some like than a recommendation. If I'm writing a recommendation for someone, I have to think about it a lot and I have to really, really believe it a lot. But of course, for endorsements, I just have to click endorse for a certain skill. It's much easier, but it's been demonstrated that endorsements have a very positive impact on people viewing your profile. And LinkedIn uses that as part of its search algorithms yes. to help you come up higher in search results. So it's important to get endorsements. And the best way to get endorsements is to give endorsements. When you endorse people, they're very likely to endorse you back. So if, you, if you're just starting with growing your skills list and building out your LinkedIn profile, what you want to do is every time you log in, you go to endorse a few people. And I try not to be too uh, severe in my judgment. Uh, then I try to be reasonable also because some people I know that they have such and such skills. Like I, if I have a friend who's a web designer, well, I know they can do web design. So I'm going to endorse them for that. But I might not endorse them for a very specific uh, language. Does he know PHP? Well, I don't know, but I know he, know, he does web design. So I think you have to be reasonable. Yes. That's how I view it. But that's how you're going to grow your skills list. And that's going to help push you up in search results. Yeah. And I think the thing about this is, listen, I, I understand that as an engineer, you're busy and you got a lot of things going on. And to start thinking about all these skills and all these endorsements is a whole nother thing you got to worry about. We're certainly sensitive to that. But on the flip side of it, as a civil engineer, there's a lot to be said for becoming an expert in a certain field. So even if you're a very niche field, like a certain kind of water resources engineer or a certain kind of sewer design or whatever the case may be, if you have a skill like that and you get a lot of endorsements on it, again, it builds that reputation, that credibility and the search engine. So if someone comes in and again is looking for a sewer design in a certain geographical area then there's possibility that you can come up for that. I mean, listen, you could come up on LinkedIn and Google because LinkedIn is so high on the search engine rankings for everything. Yeah. So it's really, really important. And I know a lot of people are like, you know, it's a whole nother thing on LinkedIn that I got to worry about now. Just be smart about it. Like Richard said, take your time on it, do a couple here and there, but get your skills on there that are your expertise. And to that point about time management and being busy and all that, I think you have to decide as a LinkedIn user, whether you're going to be a passive LinkedIn user or an active LinkedIn user, being a passive LinkedIn user is really about setting it up and leaving it be. And pretty much all we've talked about to this point about the profile is really about being a passive LinkedIn user. If you want to be an active user, what we'll discuss later on, that's a whole other ball game. but it takes a serious investment it's like going to the gym. If you're not willing to commit to three days a week and change your eating habits and sleeping habits, it's not going to be worth your time to try to go to the gym only once or twice a week. And for LinkedIn, like if you want to commit to LinkedIn, 
it will take at least 15 minutes a day or something like that. And if you don't feel you want to do that in your schedule, focus on the passive aspect. And that's going to be just a good, a very good step. What I try to tell people is try to do like commit to 10 minutes a day or put something on your calendar at lunchtime that pops up that you just go on and do a couple things and you just be some kind of consistency is always helpful if you could work something like that. All right, let's transition on to the next point, number three, which is a huge one. It'll be a quick one, but it's a huge one. So now we're going to start talking about using LinkedIn. We've talked to this point about your profile and some connections, but I mean really getting active on it. So before you do that, I think one of the things that's really important to do is to think about who your target market is and who are the people that you want to be connecting with and who are the people are that you want to be in front of. Because we just spoke about the fact that our time is all very limited. So if you're going to spend X amount of time on LinkedIn, you want to make sure that you're getting the most out of it. So let's say I'm in land development as a civil engineer. My target market is going to be like real estate developers, maybe realtors, maybe architects, because those are people that are going to have leads on projects that I want to be involved on. So I need to know that before I start going into groups and into discussions and into all these other things, because I want to make sure that I focus the right channels for these types of prospects. So this is a, just a simple point that's that I put in here in the middle, but it's very, very important because if you're going down the wrong road on LinkedIn, you could waste a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I find it's true for any any social network uh, or any investment of, of how you spend your time online. And marketers always say, where, where does your audience hang out? You have to realize to take conscience that you're using LinkedIn for a reason is to come across as an expert in your field to certain people. If you're looking for a job, you don't have the same target audience as if you're looking for clients. And it depends. You know, some listeners will be in situation A, some listeners will be in situation B. And I, I think it's going to impact the groups that you choose, the pulse channels you might be listening to, the influencers you will follow. So these are all elements that you'll, you'll need to consider when you're choosing where you spend your time. Absolutely. And Richard, you know that well. I know you, you wrote resume books for specific professions, probably for that reason. Yeah. All right. So that's number three. Let's transition now into number four. So the fourth point is to join groups that are focused in your target market. All right. So we talked about on number three is determining who that target market is. So let's just keep the same example I had in number three, where I'm a civil engineer. I'm looking to do land development work. So I know that I got to get in front of real estate developers. So maybe I'm going to join some groups. If there's like New York metro area real estate developers group on LinkedIn, I'm going to want to get in that group. Yeah, I can certainly join some engineering groups, but I'm also going to want to get in some groups that have my target market. I might want to join a group for architects. I might want to join a group for realtors in, in the area. So then I can really get involved in the right people. I mean, I think this is one of the most powerful things about LinkedIn is that where in the world can you get in front of so many people in one profession, in one discipline, in just a matter of minutes? My personal usage of groups has made me realize that it's not as fast-paced as most other social networks. We're used on, let's say for Facebook, we're used on Facebook to look at our, our news feed and it's completely different in the morning than it was yesterday evening. So where we get accustomed to thinking in a very fast-paced way. However, most groups don't have that sort of changing speed at all. Like, And the new posts come in like trickling in very slowly. 
And sometimes if you post something on a group, you're going to get answers three days, five days, six days later. And I think that's a strength of LinkedIn. And it really makes sense for busy professionals like most of your listeners to know that you don't have to be on the group every day to know what's going on. You can just go there once a week, look at the posts, like one, like another, comment here and there, share one. And one thing that I really like about groups is they're a great way to meet and to connect with new people. If you want to grow your connections on LinkedIn, as soon as you have an interaction with someone that seems to know what they're talking about, you'll have a few that are very boring or very ordinary comments, but others which will bring an interesting perspective and people who are, oh yeah, I know, like you'll feel that, that this person is a reliable professional. You just send a little connection request saying, hey, you know, we commented or we exchanged back and forth through this group, I'd love to connect. You'll have like 80% success rate with that. Like most people, if you have been commenting with relevant and interesting points, not just saying nice read or good article, right? but you're commenting in there, like taking the time to just taking like writing one paragraph. It's, it takes five minutes. Then people are going to like your stuff. If you see people liking your stuff that you'd like to connect with and say, just say, hey, we've interacted in that group. You're going to start seeing the same people around. It's a great way to build a network with like-minded professionals and with potential clients, potential employers, and the like. And that's exactly what this next step, number five, is partly what Richard just talked about is participating in your groups. Because you got to if you don't participate, then you know you're not going to get a lot out of those groups. However, one other aspect of participating is, and Richard touched on this as well, is being a value point for people, answering questions. So if someone asks a question, and this works again really good for either a prospective employer or prospective client. If you have a prospective real estate developer that says, you know, I'm interested in, I heard that there's some new wetlands guidelines out there. Does anyone know anything about them? And you're in the group saying, oh yeah, we did a whole study on the new guidelines. I've actually done a presentation on it. We'd love to fill you in on it. We could have a phone call or whatever the case may be. That's being valuable to someone and that's how you grow these connections. And, and the same thing can happen for a prospective employer. They could not even be asking a question per se, about hiring someone. They could be asking a question about anything, something engineering related, and you could answer it in a positive way. And if they like your answer, they might be like, all right, who is this kid? Let me look into this person. And then all of a sudden, that's how you can really make good relationships. So I think that that's important is being active. And then the next step that we're going to get into number six here, which Richard touched on a bit too, is through these discussions and through these groups, now you want to connect to these people. And now you have a reason to connect with these people. Because if you're going back and forth with someone on conversations, you're giving them good value, then why is someone not going to want to connect with you? And then you could send them a message and you could say, I was in a discussion with you. I really enjoyed it. I'd love to connect with you and add you to my network. And I think you have to be aware that when you're in a group with someone, LinkedIn perceives that as you being closer to that person. So what does that mean? It means you're allowed 15 free messages per month to people who are in the same groups as you. LinkedIn will not allow you to just send in a message to anyone. But if you're in the same group, they do. You have up to 15 per month. You get straight to their inbox. That's a great way to connect, a great way to reach out to people. And uh, I was telling you earlier that it helps you, it bumps you up in search results. When you're in the same group as someone, 
you're going to appear before in the search results than if you were not in that same group. So it really does help you to, to get on people's radars. Absolutely does. And there's a lot of things like that with LinkedIn that you may not understand if you just jump on and start using it, their algorithms, how they allow you to do certain things. It's really important as far as how effective you can be. So the last point that I have here is start building professional relationships with the strategic connections that you're making that are going to have an impact on your business, your career, whatever the case may be. I mean, the point is, is like, you got to follow this through. So now you're in these groups, you're getting engaged, you're engaging people, then you're going to take the next step in connecting with these people. And then next step could potentially be to, you know, further the relationship beyond just a connection on LinkedIn. If it's the right person, it may be sending them an email, it might be asking them if you could grab breakfast at the diner or lunch together, or they go into the local event this month, I'll see you at the event, whatever the case may be. I think we have to get out of our mind that LinkedIn is strictly going to be 100% online. I mean, I've got a couple of stories, which I'll share with you in a moment, of how I met people initially through LinkedIn, but then I got to build a relationship with them, which became a great relationship in multiple ways. One, I became friendly with these people. And secondly, it was a good business relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's important in that not just thinking that this is like a box that you're in on the computer and you can't step outside of that. Yeah, absolutely. One tip I like about that specific point is if you're going to an event and you don't know anyone, just go on your LinkedIn connections, find people who are likely to be there and send them a short email. You send 50 people the same short email. It's going to take 15 minutes. Say, hey, I'll be at XYZ event. If you're there, I'd love to grab coffee. You just send that you know, to a lot of people. If you get one or two people answering back, it's just like two business meetings that you have. Like Very simple. Very simple to get those. Very easy to help you connect and leave LinkedIn to finally meet people in real life. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it really it's really huge. All right. So what I'm gonna do now is just I'm gonna recognize our sponsor for this episode and then come back with two short stories and we'll see if Richard has any stories. Just to let you know that this I'm not just making this stuff up. This stuff works and I've actually used it before. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had the chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses online. It's why I feel confident in recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, so before we close this one out, I want to just give you two really quick stories about one, my own story, another one, an engineer that I did some coaching with on how they used LinkedIn successfully to get real positive business relationships. And the first one was for me, when I was trying to start my coaching and training business for engineers, obviously I needed to get some clients for that. And there was a woman that had connected with me on LinkedIn. She had done business development for another uh, civil engineering firm in New Jersey. She connected with me. And then I think a couple of weeks later, she messaged me and said, do you want to grab breakfast one morning at a diner locally, see if we can work together, our, our companies can work together. So I went and I, I had a really good meeting with her. We got to know each other. We really connected well. And then, you know, I went on back to the office, kept carrying on with our projects and whatnot. And then I ended up going to another company to sit down and interview with them about providing coaching and training. It was a big engineering company. 
And yeah, basically they told me that they didn't need the coaching. They didn't need the training. They had all that in house and they didn't really need it. So when I left their office, instead of thinking like, oh man, that stinks, I'm done. I thought, well, maybe a smaller, like aggressive company that's acquiring companies might need some training and transitional help. And I thought of the woman that I had breakfast with. I ended up calling her right when I got back to the office. She ended up setting a meeting with me and her and her CEO of her company. And sure enough, I got a nice contract from them that were able to help me to get my business underway. So that came right through LinkedIn. And, and the second story that I have is an engineer that I was coaching who wanted to make a career change, change to a different company. What he did was he found somebody on LinkedIn in the area that was like a principal in a company. And he basically just emailed or messaged him through LinkedIn and said, listen, I'm looking for a mentor in my career. I've got some questions. I've got some things I'm challenged with. I wonder if we could meet for lunch or coffee or something and I could ask you some questions. And sure enough, the gentleman said yes. So he brought his resume, although he wasn't planning to give it to him, but he just went and he asked him the questions he wanted to ask. And he, part of the situation was he was having some challenges at work. And sure enough, the gentleman said, we'd love to look at your resume if you're interested. So he took the resume, he got an interview and he ended up getting a job there. Wow. People sit on company websites and submit resumes forever and they don't get anywhere. And he was able to take this strategy, which I think was really, and I mean, and he was very authentic about it. He really did want career and mentoring advice and um, ended up getting a job out of it. So I think those are pretty good case studies. What do you think, Richard? I love it. I think if you perceive LinkedIn for what it is, I don't like people who make promises of, you know, easy money or get rich quick or any sort of schemes. And I'm certainly not going to promote something like that for LinkedIn. I think it's a I told you the gym analogy earlier, we could say, you know, we could use the gardening analogy. Growing your network takes time. It doesn't bear fruit overnight, but after a while of doing it consistently, then it works out. And I find that LinkedIn is a very soft networking approach, especially for introverts, for people who have a hard time in uh, social events. LinkedIn is great to just get started and to warm up with certain people. It's much easier to start off with a LinkedIn connection, a little email here or connecting on a group than with an actual phone call. And once you're warmed up with LinkedIn, it just becomes easier to do the rest of the networking. But it, I think it, LinkedIn is an essential part of a networking strategy. Absolutely. Well, Richard, thanks again for coming on the show and really giving some great advice and information. It was really, really informative. Awesome. It was a pleasure to be here. Now, Richard, where can the listeners catch up with you? What's your website? My website is at resumehacking.com. That's where I have my books for, uh, you know, I have a book for civil engineers just to help you with uh, your resume accomplishments, which is the ultimate tool to get you uh, differentiated on the job market. So at resumehacking.com is really the place to, to find me. Excellent. And thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. You can find the episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. We would love to hear any questions or comments you have. Just leave them at the bottom of the post. And we hope that we can continue to help you have a very successful civil engineering career. 
Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 